Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best books directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Russell Blake, the author of, among many other things, the Artemis Black P.I. series, the fifth of which, Black in the Box, is being released today. Russell, welcome. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I am thrilled that this new book is out. That's how I am. I am. Uh, how long have we been waiting for this new black? And I know I personally have been badgering you about it, and I'm sure there have been a few others as well. I think it's been about, I don't know, 16, 17 months. It's been a while. That's a long time to wait for a Russell Blake book. Well, there's it, there have been a few in the meantime, just not any blacks. Right, but you've sort of trained us that, you know, every two weeks there's a new one coming out. Well, like buses, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's talk about Artemis Black. This is a PI series. Uh, you wrote several of them. Uh, well, they 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 seem to come out very quickly. The first few, and then I think there might have been a break before the fourth one, and then a long break before this one. So let's talk about Artemis and uh, this changing world that he's a part of. Sure. Um, the 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 series is sort of a departure for me because you know, as you know, I'm an action thriller guy. But um, I always had um, a, a, a hair up my bottom to to try my hand at noir. And you know, when I say noir, I mean you know the, the Elmore Leonard sort of stuff, Dashiell Hammett. But um, with, uh, it, the way I conceived of it was with more of a, a twisted sort of dark sense of humor, like a sarcasm. Mm-hmm. So. I conjured up the the idea of a down on his luck PI in LA who's kind of stuck in the 40s and idealizes the the bogey you know typification of the 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 PI the hard boiled PI and he basically just is is just fails miserably at it but he doesn't realize you know he he doesn't recognize his own failings even as he's as he's hitting bottom so I thought that 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 type of character would be while somewhat cliched in the sense that it follows in well-worn footsteps that it it would be interesting to take that type of a character to to the next level if you will within the noir medium so that that's the whole idea behind Artemis Black and the Black series. Uh, one of the things that you do that that veers away from that well-worn path that you mentioned is, is the idea of essentially with each book there's a new business that you sort of mock with the uh, with with Black's case. You know, in one case it was reality television, in another it was Hollywood. Uh, what what are we what are we facing with Black in the Box? Well, I, I had the. I, it actually came to me. Um, it came to me in a dream. It, it, did, it did actually come to me at night. I'm not sure, you know, how out of it I was. But I had this idea of of almost an Agatha Christie sort of um, Orient Express. Everything taking place kind of in one location, and with Black sort of having to to solve the crime, if you will, within a very compressed time frame, within one night. So uh, I, I thought. I thought it would be kind of fun to put him into a, a big box store um, down in Long Beach, somewhere a little bit outside of his normal stomping grounds, and have him sort of have to go through the tedious questioning of everybody on the night shift at the big box store in order to to solve a murder, essentially, by morning. So that was that was the idea. So I'm mocking I'm mocking retail. I'm mocking uh, 
you know, U.S. consumerism. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one to go after. <laughs> yeah, it's always really popular. Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. Speaking of U.S. consumerism, we, many of us listening to this show, are consumers in the U.S. You do your consumption primarily in Mexico now. That's right. How long have you lived in Mexico? It's been, you know, I I, I said a dozen years, but it's been almost 15 now. Wow. Yeah. So I've spent probably, what is that, Uh, well, a little bit uh, less than a third of my life um, outside of the United States now. And for people who might not be familiar with you and your prodigious writing habits, you started writing not that long ago. Um, You you had a history with writing. You spent some time writing in the past, uh, went into business, did some things, had some success, and decided to try writing again when the Kendall thing took off. We'll call it the Kendall thing. And you have published, I don't know, I, how many books? Do you even know since then? I, I, st- I kind of stopped counting when I crossed over 40 in four years. And I want to say it's somewhere in the mid-40s now by the end of the year, 45, 47, something like that. And you pushed out to about one every five weeks. You write about your writing habits and the world of writing and and really anything that interests you on your blog, which is at russellblake.com. But every year, at the end of the year, you say, whew, I I put out 11 and a half books this year or 12 or 13 or whatever it is. I'm not doing it again next year. Yeah, and I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) This time I mean it. (laughs) Okay. You mentioned earlier that... You're primarily known for your thrillers. There's a particularly popular series of yours, the Jet series. Um, that's that is a it's a really fun series, and that's another one of those things. You said I'm that's it. I'm done with Jet. This is the last Jet, and uh, I think I saw not that long ago that there's another Jet coming out. Yeah, there's another Jet coming because I got so many um, outraged emails and personal messages saying, you know, you can't end this series. This is my favorite <laughs> series. It has to continue basically forever. Mm-hmm. And you it's know, a lot of pressure. Lee Childs, they brought up Clive Cussler, they they brought up a number of they of of authors who have yeah have carried series on and you know thirty forty installments with the same with the same protagonist and hero and following him through life. So uh, you know I kind of wanted to avoid doing that, but um, people howled with outrage. I mean they did they were just like you can't do it, you cannot stop the series. So I was like, well, okay. I mean, the public has spoken. And, and you listen because you're a business-oriented man. I certainly am. When somebody says, I want to buy that little doggy in the window, I, I'm going to get more of those little doggies. <laughs> now, I'm guessing there were fewer howls of protest when there was a, a 16-month gap between the different uh, black books. Is that a true statement? Yeah. I mean, black Black, for one thing, I've kept Black exclusive to Amazon for, I don't know, probably about the last year, year and a half. So it doesn't have the the reach on other platforms. Um, And I did that kind of as an experiment to sort of see how how that worked, Um, keeping it in the select and now the Kindle Unlimited program versus going wide with it versus Mm -hmm. my other series. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, noir mysteries are not setting the world on fire. I mean, it sells respectably well, but it's not its not one of my top sellers. So I don't feel like a burning sense of urgency that, oh my God, I've got to get another blackout in the next three months. Did you feel like you had wrapped it up with the fourth book? 
Um, no, I always figured I'd do about five of these, okay. and you know, I, I, I sort of felt uh, I sort I was toying with the idea of not doing the fifth one, but then this idea came to me about the big box and the wrapping it all up, and nothing is as it seems. None of the none of the characters in the book, they all have ulterior motives. They all are suspects. They are all are potentially involved in things that we only discover as we peel the onion. So I like I like the idea. Of of taking that approach with with the fifth one, that's actually what fired my imagination to even bother writing the fifth one. When you wrote the first one, were there particular challenges in writing it after having written a number of thrillers? It's a different it's a different animal. It, it's a completely different animal. Um, and no, it was more like a little vacation for me, frankly. Hmm. I mean, because I had no, I had no predetermined um, goals with it. Um, I, I really, there was, you know, I just wanted it to be acerbic and brutally funny in places, and I wanted to try my hand. I wanted to see how a more lyrical, um, one might even say, overwrought sort of prose might mesh with, um, with just vicious humor and sarcasm and and see if i could make that that dog hunt and i it, it actually you know some people would argue it doesn't work but i think it works i mean yeah it's funny it's funny stuff it is indeed funny stuff and the second book in the series is titled black is back and you have some audiobook excerpts on your website i'm going to play one now a couple minutes of it so uh, listen in out there in the listener world and get a sense of this character artemis black who he is uh, this starts he's on a psychiatrist's couch making a pretty acerbic observation, and it, yeah. it sort of goes on and, from there. So we'll and, and to set that up, yeah, sure. he, he the relationship with him and his his therapist is is sort of passive aggressive, and the therapist is kind of you know kind of a quack. <laughs> he really shouldn't be doing he shouldn't be doing what he's doing for a living, and he's maybe not the nicest guy in the world either. So and 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 black sort of suspects that. He sort of thinks the guy's a quack, but, you know, he goes because, well, what's the alternative? That's so that, what he does. That's the setup. All right, here we go. On the leather couch, staring at Dr. Kelso's new abstract painting. It looked to black like a bunch of penises, a gaggle, or a brood, or perhaps a bevy of them, covered in blood. He shook off the impression and continued with the session. I suppose I'm a little depressed about my birthday coming up, he confessed. Ah, depressed, I see. Why? Kelso asked. Because it means I'm getting older. Mm. And that depresses you? Sure. My body's breaking down. Cells are dividing in alarming ways, and it's just a matter of time until... Until your next birthday? No, until death. Death. So your birthday makes you think about death. Not all the time, but this one does. Forty-three. It's impossible to pretend I'm still that young, you know? Pretend? So you feel like you need to pretend you're younger than you are? And to yourself? Kelso asked, his voice flat, the question more of a statement than an interrogative. Or to others? You know what I mean. You can sort of tell yourself that there's a special exclusionary clause for yourself, that you're different, that time's not having its way with you like it is with everyone else. I see. 
So you can pretend that your bad habits aren't having the negative effect you would expect? Well, not so much that. Or rather, sure, that. As well as the idea that you still have a lot of road ahead of you. Which is an illusion. Nobody knows how much time they have left. A piano could fall on you as you leave the building. I'll make sure I avoid piano movers, Black said. Kelso paused. You smoke, don't you? I'm trying to quit. Trying, Kelso intoned. Trying. But a birthday signals that another year of that unsuccessful trying has gone by, despite your best efforts. Kelso hesitated. Never a good sign to black. You've also mentioned that you drink quite a bit. Not quite a bit. I mean, sometimes I have a few too many, but everyone does. Everyone? Everyone I know. Hmm, I see. So everyone you know has a substance abuse problem. No, that's not it at all. It's just not unknown for guys to have more than they should sometimes. It happens, if you say so. But back to death. Why do you associate death with your birthday? I don't. But I think it's natural to associate aging with death. I mean, that's the end result of aging, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it is. And how does that make you feel? I... It just seems unfair, you know? That you can do everything right, and you still get death as your reward in the end. Does it make you angry? No. Kelso remained silent. Okay, maybe a little. But what's the point of getting angry over something that's inevitable? So you do get angry, even though you know there's no point. The chime sounded, indicating the session's end. You know what the bell means. Our time's up, Kelso said. Why do I feel crappier after talking to you than I do before? Is that the way this is supposed to work? The process isn't designed to make you feel immediately better. We've discussed that. It's a longer-term goal than instant gratification. So, same time next week? Black knew better than to continue trying to engage with Kelso after the bell had rung. He'd have better luck with a sphinx. Sure, in a week. Black stood and left the office, stopping to pay the receptionist on his way out. He was all but totally convinced now that the man was a charlatan and that the sessions were doing nothing for him but draining his bank account. After God knows how many of these meetings, he couldn't point to any improvement Kelso made. Black descended to the street and wondered what other job you could fail at for years and still get paid for, other than therapist or weatherman, and maybe politician. What a racket. Well, that's funny stuff, Russell. Yeah, I think the, the, the narrator nails it. You know, one of the problems I have when I hear audiobooks um, is they never really sound like they do in my head. <laughs> they just don't. Um, this guy, this sounds like it does in my head. So hats off to him. I have read all of the books. I, I have the audiobook for the original, for the first book, but I haven't listened to it yet because I've read them all. Um, and so when I was listening to the clips today, I think you're right. He pretty much nails it. And, and I think most of the time, once you read something, you're right. You get a character's voice in your head. Now, if you listen to the book first, then you always have that narrator's voice in your head. Sure. 
And that, that goes with you for quite a while. But this is Black. He's funny. He makes these funny, pithy observations. His view of the world is a little skewed. And it's, it's what makes the book so fun. It's, it, it goes well beyond the down-on-his-luck P.I. idea that we talked about uh, a little bit earlier. Yeah, and I, I think also, I mean, what turned out to be a surprise for me was that it wasn't so much about the mysteries in the end as it is about the character development, because I never started out thinking, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, these these books are going to be an exercise in character development of Black and Roxy, his 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 evil secretary, and even the, the flatulent, obese cat. You know, none of <laughs> the that cat, really... The cat is a star in this series. Well, he is. <laughs> He's got his own fan club. I mean, really, he does. It's, it's like... <laughs> I should so long that I have the kind of adoration Muggsy the cat has. <laughs> and then there's a, an ex-wife that adds a little spice to things. Sure, and and the parents, the hippie parents. Yes, yeah. The hippie parents, there's the, the, the somewhat normal girlfriend. Um, there's a lot of, you know, there's, there's, there's Kelso, the, the, the evil therapist. I mean, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of mockability inherent in the Los Angeles experience to begin with. The, the, <laughs> the pretense, the, the um, you know, the Kardashian fakery, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, I try, you know, I try to skewer pretty much every sacred cow I can get my hands on in these books. Now, you mentioned a couple authors a little while ago, uh, authors with long-running series, Lee Child being one, Clive Cussler being the second. You are yep. you're involved with writing some or co-writing some Clive Cussler books. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. I have co-authored two novels with uh, with Clive. Um, one was The Eye of Heaven, and the second one, which just released, was uh, The Solomon Curse. And that's and kind it's... of doing okay, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's been on the. I've been on the New York Times bestseller list for I want to say between the main list and the extended list, uh, probably for the last six weeks. Do you feel like you're carrying Clive with this? <clears throat> if I'm what? If you're carrying Clive with the series? Oh yeah, no, I, he, he calls and cries sometimes. You know, I have to. I I've got caller ID now, so I, 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 I don't take the late night ones anymore. No, it's been an honor to work with him, and he's a great guy, and the people at Putnam are awesome. Neil Nyman, everybody's been real gentlemen in the entire process. Neil is a a super guy. I've had the opportunity to meet him uh, a couple times at conferences, and I really enjoy him. He's a a surprisingly funny guy for someone who does what he does. He's got a a brutal sense of humor. Yes, I can see the brutal part in there as as well, which I think is probably part of the job. That's the business! (laughs) (laughs) Now, you are a well-known indie author. Were people surprised when you decided to, or you had the opportunity and you took the opportunity with Clive Cussler? Did that surprise some of your readers? Well, yeah, no, I think it surprised everybody because it had never happened before. Um, uh, no indie author had ever um, teamed up with a, a you know household name. I mean, it just that sort of thing doesn't happen. And the reason it happened was because I you know came up with the bright idea of hey, I bet you I could write some of these books and do pretty well at it. I think um, so. I sent Clive's agent a uh, a, a proposal, basically a letter, and introduced myself. And but I think you know I, I just thought outside of the box on that one. I figured you know you, you're not going to get if you don't ask. So you might as well ask. And it's worked out well. So let's talk about some of the other things you're you're writing. You've mentioned the Jet series. 
we've, we've talked about the Black Series. We've mentioned the Fargo Series. There's a new series that you've started fairly recently, the Drake Ramsey Series. Yeah, um, that's doing very well. It, it, it's uh, it's the sort of Indiana Jones um, updated for the 21st century. Um, it was my entire concept for it. And would you... I love the old Indiana Jones movies, and I was kind of like, yeah, I think you know nobody's really doing that. So I'd like to try my hand at it. So that's it's almost an adventure series. So you've got your you're writing mystery, thrillers, adventure. Uh, and there, there was a day that that uh, you wrote some romance. Yeah, and and uh, I've got my young my young adult new adult uh, romance trilogy under R. E. Blake, um, which has done okay too. I can't complain. I mean, you know, I, I certainly don't limit myself anymore in terms of genre. I'll say that I did at first, and it was smart that I did because when when I first started out, I did not limit myself with genre, and nobody knew what to expect next. And I think that that actually slowed adoption um, and building readership. But once People kind of understood that what they were getting from me mostly was going to be action thrillers and that I was able to brand. Like if you look at the branding on the Black Series, it's there's no mistaking what no, you're getting. No, <laughs> when you When you look at the young adult romance, you're, you're not thinking I'm getting Jet or the Assassin series. I, you know, and, and so I, I think I've taken care, good care enough um, to brand things succinctly and distinctively enough that the reader gets what it is – that's in the box. I've, I've got plenty more questions. I'm, I'm going to limit it to one because we're under a little bit of a deadline here. This show is 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 capped. Well, at I'm ba- charging by the minute, right? Okay, you're good. You're a good negotiator. Sure. All right, um, you write these different genres. They each have their own uh, reader expectations. How do you steep yourself in? in a genre before you start writing, like the the mystery, for example, the PI mystery. That's that's completely different from a structural standpoint, uh, from a PI novel. And I'm sure that there, there are differences in young adult and adventure as well. How do you sort of map that out in your mind before you start writing a new genre? Well, I, I read, I read a bunch in the genre. I mean, I try to get the, I try to get the genre norms down by reading some of the more popular examples. It doesn't take that much. I mean, you read three or four um, novels in any genre that are at the top of the curve, and mm-hmm. it becomes pretty obvious. In other words, if you want to write serial killer fiction, all you need to do is write, read a couple of Tom Harris books. I mean, you really don't need to, 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 to dig far beyond the surface um, to, to understand what the norms are going to be for that genre. It's the same as in contemporary romance. You'll understand very quickly after reading a couple of bestsellers in that genre what's expected. So, you know, if you want to if you want to know the genre norms and prep for it, just read the best examples in the genre. Well, the Black Series is one of my favorite current PI series, so I highly recommend it to readers. You mentioned this is exclusive to Amazon. I would normally ask where can you get it, but you've already answered that question. Get it at Amazon. You see what I did there? That you you are good, and we've already I mentioned your anticipated your needs before you <laughs> articulated. We mentioned your website earlier, but is, is that the best way for people to keep up with what you're doing? To just pop by your website, maybe subscribe to an email list. Sure. Um, subscribe to my email list and stop by my Facebook page. It's very different than my blog. Um, my Facebook page is more of a free association, whatever I'm doing to amuse myself right now kind of um, 
um, thing, and you know, it, it covers everything from from macroeconomics to uh, to just off-color jokes. So it yeah, runs yeah. the gamut. Today, I think I saw something on there that was interesting. I won't say exactly what it what it was, but it had to do with walks. And you may, it may have actually uh, been from yesterday, yes. and I just saw it. And you know <laughs> yeah. why I'm not uh, well, saying, you know, saying what Stephen, it was. There's this rumor that <laughs> there's this rumor that I drink and post occasionally. Now. Yes, I'm not <laughs> there, there going is a rumor. To either confirm or deny that. <laughs> <laughs> but all you have to do is read the Facebook page. You can get a pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, take on that. Russell, thank you, thank you so much for being here today. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Always a pleasure uh, on my end too. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you do pop by the website, please sign up for my email list. I send out an email each Friday with a summary of the week's interviews. It's the best way to keep up with what we're doing and to be sure you don't miss out on great new books like Black in the Box from Russell Blake. Thanks for listening.